The real estate world is changing. Opportunity is everywhere. It has never been so easy to connect, share, and bring people together. We're learning from others and finding the very best in ourselves. Challenging our beliefs, overcoming our fears, transforming ourselves so we can transform our business. This is Investor Creator. Hey, what's the deal today? Man, guys, hello, Tuesday morning coffee. <laughs> Appreciate y'all being with us. Brad here, my main man, Tony. Uh, we're just in the middle of conversating about what our usual conversations are, which is about real estate. So And good wine. And good wine. That's right. You know, we'll talk about a little wine, a little bourbon. You know, we're high class people here. High class. And investor creator. We, <laughs> we, we know how to, to make the, the best uh, Tennessee whiskey from uh, your bathtub that that's, you've ever tasted. That's exactly right. And I can, I mastered the use of words up to five letters now. It's, uh, we're real high class, highly educated. Well, I, I've got a fun story, you know. <laughs> Remember that story about my father and he bought the, the 52 extra loads of pigs? Yep. Well, um, he was transacting with uh, a guy in Chicago and this guy had a bunch of bars and the guy said, uh, Eddie, where are you from? He said, I, I can tell you're not from Chicago, you know, the way he talks. And uh, but, uh, my father said, yeah, I'm, I'm from down in Tennessee, Mur Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Murfreesboro. You know, he said, do you have any of that good whiskey uh, in those parts? You got it. Can you find moonshine? He said, uh, yes, sir. I think oh, I can. Yeah. He, my father knew those people at Short Mountain. Oh, yeah. And Short Mountain, back in the the day that was a dangerous place to go if yeah. they didn't know you and you went up through the, those hollers you know you, you could have a real problem yeah and so he said yeah I, I think i can he said well bring me a jug of it next time and i'll take another group of hogs you know <laughs> or, or cattle or whatever it was and they had feed i guess it was cattle they had the feed yards okay in chicago okay for beef and so he got them a few loads and and brought them and he he said, you know, you went to the bar and the man had a bodyguard. He's probably in his seventies, but the man had a bodyguard <laughs> and he took the jug and he shook it and he poured out glasses and gave it to everybody there. And he said, Eddie, this is really good. How much of this can you get? He said, well, I can get as much of it as you want. And he said, I can just hear him say it. <laughs> yeah. He, he said, well, bring as much as you can next time. He said, are you serious about this? He said, yes, sir. I am bring as much as, as you can get, as long as you'll take cash. He said, no problem. So my father started hauling one load of, so pigs, you can triple deck them, but cattle, you can only do two decks on a tractor trailer. Uh, okay. And so he was doing one, uh, one deck of livestock and one deck of shine Ooh. on the top room and was bringing trucks from short mountain, from short mountain, Tennessee to Chicago. And this man had 40 or 50 bars downtown. And so Chicago had a better time because of short, the short mountain boys. I'm going to tell you, you know, you got two sides of that hill over there. Uh, and and one side is a distillery. Now it's you know it's a it's legal shine. You're correct. Yeah, there. you can buy it on the shelf. Now. That's right. And the other side is a Bible camp. Is that right? <laughs> That's exactly right. Short Mountain Bible Camp. So it's an interesting little hill I got over there. Now there's an old story that Al Capone came up through Short Mountain mm. to to Pickies. to to pick some stuff up or or to put the deal together. Supplies. Yeah, and. Uh, <clears throat> that the short mountain guys didn't trust them. And that they had shooters up in those hills the whole way. Oh. And that if 
when the car came out, they said, you have to take this bandana and tie it to the car. If you don't, you're going to get killed. Oh, my. And they had to, to take that through there. So, uh, well, Al Capone, you know, I mean, where we had our company Christmas dinner yeah, this year, that point. was his home. Yeah. In Mon Eagle. Yeah. It's a, it's a halfway point between Chicago and, and Miami. Yeah. And so Al Capone built this house in the Tennessee mountain mm-hmm. there. And, um, it, it's pretty cool because on the outside of it, you have, uh, it's a Tudor style house mm-hmm. and it's complete stone, but you look at it and some of the stones stick out. Mm-hmm. And ended up that he built it that way in case the law raided the place. He could jump out the window and crawl down the side of the house. He built ladders. Spider-Man in. style. That's right. And some of the walls on the inside uh, have hallways Yeah, in between them. Yeah. So they basically built two walls and just got a little empty hallway in between them. People can hide it. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Pretty uh, wild. Uh, I guess that's a, a, enough talk about shine today. But all that yeah. to say, we're, we're high-class people here at Investor Creator. Real high-class. No, 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 we know the, the best about the wine and the bourbon and all that kind of stuff. And the shine. We know the shine. history behind the shine. Good socks. Yeah, good socks. The whole thing. Everything class you, you can think of, that's what we are. That's so right. To talk about being classy, today we're talking about divorce. Uh, you know, as a big five motivator. So we're in our <laughs> big five series of, of motivating factors that create transactions, you know, and a lot of what we see in the business is we are buying from one of five different people, vast majority of the time. And so we talked about pre-foreclosure last week. And a lot of times uh, you'll have um, motivating factors that that couple themselves together. So the the most that I've ever had at one time was three. We had a pre-foreclosure divorce situation where the lady also had a heart attack. So we had three of the big five at one time. The hell, yeah. Today we're talking about uh, divorce and how to navigate those types of things. And and it's one of those things that I think people, investors are not good at navigating pre-foreclosure because they don't know the process as well. But I think it's also that people don't know how to navigate divorce very well because they don't understand the emotions and what they're dealing with with spouses. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is they end up alienating one spouse to or creating a rapport with one spouse and to the detriment of the other. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to be talking about that. So from an emotional perspective, how do you deal with these kinds of problems? Mm-hmm. And so uh, should be fun. We'll talk about the deal of the day. This is in Lindale, Georgia. We put this one under contract last week. This one was kind of fun because I'm trying to remember the numbers, but the lady had either bought it for $110,000 or $120,000 cash, I believe, three years ago. And so I don't remember exactly, but she bought it for roughly that much three years ago. We bought it for 80. So, you know, what happened in this transaction is the the property is its own comp. So we know what it what it sold for cash back three years ago. Right. And we know that it's appreciated since then. Mm-hmm. And so it was a really easy yes. We didn't really even have to go and look at what the values were. Right. I know what the the, the bottom is. Mm-hmm. Now what's it specifically worth? I'm not sure. My guess is around 150, 160, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So bought and we got it for, it for 80. 80? Okay. Bought it for 80 cash. $5,000 in repairs is what we think, you know, so the unit's in good condition. She bought it for 110 to 120 and then she put about 20 K in, in repairs in it. So new flooring, new paint, those kinds of things. So we always say that there's $5,000 in repairs, whether we really know that there is. Or not. Yeah. Do so, we know what would cost someone to pay 120 for a place, live in it three years and then sell it for 80? A divorce. Okay. Yeah. So worked out well. And, and that's interesting that because we didn't pick Linda, the deal of the day because of that. No, it just, uh, that's, it, that's just what happens. Uh, that's just what happens. So today we're going to be talking about divorce and that's not something that I have a whole lot of experience with. Thank the good Lord. Uh, Tony, do you know much about divorces? 
a little bit. I guess being in the ministry for 25 years, you, you ran in, into everything. And so, yes, including this, my own. Oh, that's right. Is that something you, you want to talk about? I'm, uh, I'm a good listener. I appreciate that. I'm probably going to pass on it today. I, I can't mean, believe. I feel so sorry for that lady because uh, she probably cries herself to sleep every night. No, she no, she out. really doesn't. She really doesn't. She, she thanks the good Lord every night that she's been delivered. <laughs> and, and I hardly. She probably that. prays for Kara now. Well, Kara so. oh, well, uh, lucked out. So it, it all worked out. Um, and and we're we're great friends. I mean, that it takes a while sometimes. Divorce is extremely painful, even when you think it's the right thing. If you have children already, it's even more painful. It affects every part of your life. You know, probably, probably outside of the people in a family unit, the one thing that defines it next is probably the house. Mm-hmm. It's your home you live yeah. in. And, uh, I mean, when people are selling on purpose or leaving, well, I think about you guys just moved. You just sold your house. Right. And, uh, both your kids were born there. Yeah. Like literally. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. In the bathtub. In the bathtub. And you know, your pup was there. Right. You know, uh, I remember going over and, Feeding that pup raw, oh, yeah. raw chicken. Yep, Matrix dog. Matrix, yep. and um, so but that but that house, I guarantee you, even though you're you're moving, you know you're moving. There's no outside reason, no painful reason you're moving. It still stirs up a lot of emotions when you're leaving a place where Correct. you have so many good memories there. Correct. So you add to that pain of loss of a marriage, or even if you've gotten a, a raise in a job and you're moving. It doesn't really matter. There's a lot of pain there, and um, especially with the divorce. Yeah. So let's talk about this because I think that that's a good segue. We have to identify really what the house is for the people that are in the big five. And so for the pre-foreclosure situation, it's different than divorce and it's different than mm-hmm. uh, you know a, a health issue. Mm-hmm. But for divorce specifically, I think it's possibly the, the most painful mm-hmm. because you think about what the house started off to be. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the first day that you move in and how excited you are and that first night that you're there and there's stuff all over the place, but uh, you're finally halfway settled. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they bought this house that they're so excited about and family comes over and it's this great celebration. Right. Many good meals. Yeah. And then it, it ends up being some type of a catalyst that creates the divorce situation. And, you know, all the things that happen, you know, babies either are born there or, or come home there. First baths are there, mm-hmm. birthday parties are there, and then the divorce begins, and the the house becomes the last thing that ties these two people that oftentimes can't stand each other mm-hmm. to one another still. And so there have been many houses that that we bought even together where the house was the final thing that had to be solved yeah. to get this divor- divorce finalized. Mm-hmm. And so, and we've bought many houses where things were not done correctly. And uh, one spouse has the, the the title subject to the other spouse's loan and isn't paying the mortgage. Right. You know, and, and it seems like that happens all the time. And why divorce attorneys think, thinks, think that that's a good idea to, to try and put together, I'll never understand. Yeah. I mean, just the unraveling of the deed and the deed of trust, just the unraveling of all that in the divorce process is also extremely painful. Yeah. And uh, like for a, a good example would be, 
I, um, when I remarried five years ago, Kara already owned her own home. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things to where uh, I didn't feel comfortable uh, having my name put on the deed to that home when I hadn't paid a penny yeah. towards it. She'd paid every penny. That was that was hers. Her investment, her wisdom, her painting, all the sweat equity in the house. So I just said I'll start. I'll start making payments. And when I've when I've invested as much as you've invested, then we'll we'll look at that then. But until then, I mean, it's our home that we live in, but it is her house. Yeah. Most of the time, when we're going through this, both people's names are on the deed. Both people's names are on the mortgage and the mortgage company is not going to turn loose of uh, somebody's credit and somebody's income right. and let them off the hook, which means they are forced to sell the house so that both parties are released from it. Correct. Unless one person has the credit and the income to refinance and leave the other one out. Yeah. And seldom does that happen. Most of the time, they're calling us. Yeah, most of the time. So the, the two emotions that I feel like we're dealing with at this point are mistrust mm. and a loss of identity. And it's you think about, like, I'm Brad, yes, but I'm also Casey's husband. I'm also Maribeth's dad and Mason's dad. I'm Tony's friend. Mm-hmm. You know, like, y- your sense of identity, in a way, becomes, like, paralleled with the the people that you're around. Mm. And so whenever you're the close, the person that used to be the closest person to you is now the one that you want the farthest away. I think that that creates a sense of, of identity issue with that person. And I have to assume, and of course, I don't know specifically this, but I, I have to assume that that's multiplied when there's a name change. You now mm. you go from, you know, this last name back to a former last name that that has to have uh, an identity sort of Mm -hmm. issue with it as well. And most of the time that's kind of settled with whether there's children or not. If their kids involved and they have their dad's last name, their mom usually keeps that last name so that her children still identify with her. Yeah. Yeah. Usually if there's no children, she'll, she'll most of the time go back to her maiden name. That makes sense. That makes sense. But mistrust is like rampant in these kinds of situations. So like we have to understand how to navigate this. And so like, let's just kind of basically put a deal together and, and, and we'll talk about walking through the house specifically and how to navigate this with the people that you have. Okay. So the first thing that we have to identify is that one person called you. Okay. Yeah. And what that means is that like, I don't ever remember in my career, a divorce situation where both sellers are on the line where they said, Hey, let's sit down together at this kitchen table. Mm-hmm. Let's amicably work this out mm-hmm. and let, let's call people to solve this house issue. Like yeah. I've never had that happen. Yeah. Now has it happened in the history of the world? Probably, but it just hasn't happened to me. We've done a few deals, but not yet has this happened. And so what happens is you have one spouse that decides I'm going to solve this problem myself and they call you. Okay. Whether it's husband or wife doesn't matter. Okay. And then they're letting their soon-to-be ex know, like, Brad's going to come by and buy the house. And there's all this mistrust. Mm -hmm. So you have to understand that even though you may build rapport with one person, 
you're building negative rapport with the other mm -hmm. because what they're thinking is what's going on here? Mm -hmm. Who is this person? Is there a side deal that's going <clears throat> on that maybe I don't know about? And so we have to understand like you're at a disadvantage with one of the people before you even get to the house. And so then it becomes like, okay, well, how do we navigate this? Well, a couple of things. The person that that called you, even if there's good rapport built there, and that's a good thing, we can't continue to build rapport without super focusing on the other spouse. So if we get to the house and a husband's called me and I have the wife, then I want to make it a focus to really spend time talking to the wife first before we even begin to view the house. Okay, so I'm going to be like, hey, you know, I'm Brad. I'm here to buy the house. You know, it's important to me that you show me the house so that I can see kind of the improvements that you've made, those kinds of things. And we'll get to like walking through the house in just a moment. But what a lot of investors do that's a total disaster is they'll really just build rapport with the person that called them and mm -hmm. shun the other one. Mm -hmm. You know, now it's a tough situation to navigate because like it's a contentious situation. <laughs> the first deal that I ever did was one of the, the most contentious situations I've ever had because it was a divorce situation. They were about to be a payment behind. They wouldn't talk to one another. And they would literally say, you know, the wife would say, Brad, you can tell my husband this. And the, the husband would say, Brad, you can tell my wife that. We're literally like across the table from one another. And I'm like, I'm, I'm losing my mind. You're doing mediation. I'm, I'm, I'm basically doing mediation. And so he signed the contract and then she signed. She took the pen and she threw it at him. And I didn't know what the, what the hell to do. How old were you then? I was 23, you know, and I probably looked 20 <laughs> or maybe, maybe 17. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean, I was like, good Lord, like, what do I do with this? So I realized then there were nuances to this. Yeah. I realized that. So guys, we can't continue to build rapport to the detriment of the other. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's, go ahead. And, and the person who called you probably feels the other person feels like that they're at a deficit because they're not the one making the initial contact. Mm -hmm. So you almost have to, like Brad just said, give the other person more attention in the beginning than you're giving the one who called you. Definitely. The so. one who called you feels like the home team already. Definitely. So they're starting it, you know, they're starting at a higher rate. You've got to bring this person up yeah, to where they feel like they're on a level playing field. Yeah. The 80-20 rule holds true here, just like it does almost everywhere else. Like we're going to spend 80% of our time with the spouse that did not call us and 20% of the time with the spouse that, that did. It did okay. Us. So that's number one. So I'm going to spend probably five or 10 minutes just building rapport with that person before we ever go through the house. And that's something I never do. So outside of the situation, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on rapport because everybody thinks rapport is like linear. Like if you spend, you know, 10 minutes with someone, you get this much. If you spend an hour, you get this much. And it's really not. It's more like your rapport goes up over time and then it starts to diminish quickly mm -hmm. because people can tell it's disingenuous. Mm -hmm. So like truths are found in extremes. If you spend four hours at a house and you never talk about the house, you talk about their dog and their job and what they did over the weekend. Like that's not real. Like you wouldn't have spent that time with them mm -hmm. outside of buying the house. Mm -hmm. And so people can feel that and the, the rapport drops because social value drops. Yeah. I think 90% of people who contact us do not believe that we are going to become friends. Right. There's going to be, there'll be a few folks and I can't say 10% for sure, but there's going to be a few folks in the great minority that a sense of friendship feels 
comforting for them while they're going through this. But that's usually not a divorce situation. Yeah, that that's true. So at this point, I'm probably going to spend some time just kind of like laying the groundwork. So if I have two spouses, then I want to say like, hey, you know, I'm Brad, I'm here to buy the house and I deal with a lot of divorce situations and I'll just kind of hit them with it. You know, I'm going to be fair to you in this situation. I'm going to be fair to you. Okay. So what happened or didn't happen is not really my concern. You know, I'm here to buy the house if it makes sense. And so if you don't mind, just kind of walk me through the house. Uh, guys, you have to have both of them walk you through. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't, you will absolutely blow it. Mm-hmm. And you start your you with the person who did not make the call to you. Correct. Yeah. I'm going to be fair to fa- you in right. this situation. I'm going to be fair to you in this That's situation. That's exactly right. You know? And so at that point, a couple of things are happening. Like they can understand that they're dealing with a professional. We're telling them that we've dealt with a lot of divorce situations and we have, you know, and um, we want to. To, to emotionally involve people in the process of going through the house. Like it's going to be really rare that someone has the, the emotional understanding of what's going on to navigate this, this situation. Well, like most investors are going to do what leave an offer. Mm-hmm. What does that give them the opportunity to do fight? Fight. Yes. Fight. Make a bunch of phone calls. Yeah. Trying to get other offers. Yeah. Shop it. You know, we don't make offers ever. And so like almost no situation does this make more sense than this situation because we don't want to give them a situation, a a situation to, to fuss with each other and they will, if you let them. Yeah. And when, and when they're giving you what is the least they can take, you cannot just hear that from one person. It is better to have them both present. And then argue about it right there. Yes. And then come to the point to where they both come with the same number. Then for you to get a lower number from somebody, then they've got to go back after you're gone and negotiate this with the other party, which is going to be a big fight. And so it's better to have them both right there and both agreeing up front on what's the least they can take. So there, there's a different sales trainer in real estate that talks about like really poking pain points. And I'm not going to say that that's necessarily... Do I want to say it? I think it's wrong, but I'm not going to say it's wrong in every situation. Mm -hmm. So negotiation starts with your marketing. So if you have inbound leads, then it's a different situation than if you have, if you're going outbound, Mm -hmm. you know, so I don't know the context, but there's a a certain trainer out there that talks about like, find the pain point, poke it, poke it, pour salt in it. Like there's not a worse situation to do that than this. Okay. So we had uh, an apprentice that had come from that training system to us. And reached out and said, hey, why don't we do this? Like, why don't we take the pain point, open up the wound, pour salt in it? I said, okay, like, let's role play. You're a a divorce situation, you and your wife. No, actually, it's the other way around. I'm in a divorce situation. You're the investor. Like, let's run the script work. And he was like, so, Brad, what happened with the divorce? It's like, it just didn't work out, man. Well, what happened? (laughs) And so And so I said, well, assuming my, you know, my wife was in the situation, my wife cheated on me with my brother. And so I I said to him, what do you think is about to happen? Do you think that this script work is a good situation at this point? Or did we just cause the biggest blowout fight? Oh, yeah. Because whether it happened or not, you just embarrassed this woman. Yeah. You know? So, and I'd tell you, I already have a counselor, so get the hell out of my house. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm pretty like to myself. I mean, I know a lot of people are. It's like, I can't imagine this person 
that I've known for literally 10 minutes, like <clears> going <throat> into specifics on my personal life and like trying to dig and dig. Look, it has nothing to do with the house. You know, like, let me show you the house. If you want to buy the house, that's fine. I mean, and that'd be the same result if it weren't a divorce. If you were three and a half, four months behind, well, why didn't you make your payments? Right. And, and, and well, he would I'm that. totally inadequate. Right. Right. Because I'm, I'm a big failure. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, people, we want people to I don't get that. I don't get that. I don't get that either. But, you know, we want people to share with us what they want to share and we'll listen to it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like we're not going to, to poke problems, pour salt in wounds, that kind of thing. People are beat up in life enough anyway. Yeah. And, and, and you know, some of that is, I think some, some of the reason why this guy is saying to do that is because they're talking to non-motivated sellers. Mm-hmm. So you, you're trying, they're trying to create some yeah, motivation. Trying to create motivation. When we, when our, when our folks are inbound leads, when they're coming to us, they're already at that place. Yeah. We, their wounds up many times, they'll just, they're just right out there in front of us. Yeah. And so, because they're highly motivated, we don't have to poke that bear. We don't have to open that wound up. It's right in front of us Yeah. with somebody that's highly motivated. A hundred percent. It's like the deal in Lindale, Georgia. She knows what she paid for. it. She told us what she paid for it, but mm-hmm. she also t- told us what she would take today. Yeah. And there are two different numbers. There's an equity position there. So we're happy for that. Yeah. You know, so as we're going through the house, guys, like these our sellers have to go with us together. Okay. There's an old trick in mediation that they always have like a candy jar there. Okay. And you'll see that um, specifically like around a time that would be like a, a meal time. So breakfast, dinner, and lunch that the attorneys or the mediators will start to eat from that, that thing. And it, the idea is if they start to, to grab uh, candy from the dish, that opposing parties will start to grab candy from the dish as well. So it's it's a negotiation tool to get people to pull from the same well. Okay, on the same page. Then yeah, correct. So it, it's really kind of a tricky thing, but I mean, this is specifically in mediation training. Mm. There's Shane Umstead from DC. Hey, what's up, Shane? So as we go through the house, we cannot let one spouse not go unless they physically are unable to. So if they're in a a wheelchair and the wheelchair, the, the house is not That's wheelchair right. accessible or not. How do you say this? Like tactfully, like if they're too big to get off the couch kind of thing, like, okay, like we can leave them there or there's a health situation. Like we I've had that happen where mm-hmm. I, I remember specifically a house in Hendersonville we bought where the man had had a, a serious stroke. And so he wasn't really able to be mobile. Mm-hmm. So in that kind of a situation then we're going to say, Hey, I'm going to look at the house with this person but I'm going to have some questions for you. Is that okay when I get back? So we want them to, to understand that we're involving them in the process as we go through the house. But you cannot be in a situation where you're chummy, chummy with one spouse. The other spouse is like <laughs> waiting at the table like this, you know, just waiting on, on whatever news that they get. And they're not involved in the situation. And it's the idea that we're walking down the hallway together. We're going through the process together. Like it's a minor detail, but it can make a big influence on the process of like, hey, we've got to, they, they've got to come to an agreement to sell this house. Mm-hmm. You know, if they can't walk down a hallway together, mm-hmm. then they're going to have a tough time with anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have to like baby steps. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about where we close. As we're going through the numbers, we want to close in the worst area of the house. Uh, I remember specifically, I had a deal one time where um, 
this was so funny. This was a divorce situation. I think I've talked about this. And the the wife had mentioned, you know, in terms of repairs on triage, that uh, they had a leaky roof. And so whenever I got to one of the back bedrooms, I can tell. And by the grace of God, it started to rain. And so whenever we we went back through the house and we started to negotiate, I said, can we go back to that room? I just want to check on something. I brought both of them with me. And we started to go through the negotiation process. And I was waiting. I was just waiting. You know, it's raining, it's raining. I can see that it's pooling up above me. It hasn't dropped yet. And so I, I start to get into the walkaway number. So is that the, the least you would take, the lowest you go? Start to go through the negotiation. And I'd forgotten about the rain. And this drop came and hit me right on the nose. And it scared me. And I jumped. And the wife just looked over at the husband like this and gave that that death yeah. look because he was supposed to fix the roof a year ago. <laughs> yeah. And so here I am. I, I just got like this drop of water on my nose and it, it, it truly did startle me, but uh, I couldn't have planned that any better. No. And we bought the house. Yeah. As a matter of fact, that's not the least we'll take. Right. <laughs> and so to talk about that, I've had husbands and wives, and I think I've talked about this too, where they just want to show me how much they hate each other. So, you know, the man says to get rid of this woman, Brad, I'd take 10,000. Yeah. And the, the woman said to get rid of this SOB man, Brad, I'd take five. And I'm just waiting. You just get quiet and you just wait. Yeah. Just wait for the next offer, you know? And I don't remember what we bought that one at, but it was good. Pause means pause. um, Yeah, it, it, it was and they were just super nice people. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminded me of that Andy Griffith episode where uh, it was one, in one of the first seasons where Andy tries to get this husband and wife to be nice to one another. Oh, yeah. And they started to be nice to one uh-huh. another, but then mean to everybody else in town. Oh, yeah. Then they had to get them right back into a fight. Yeah, they, they had to get them back into a fight because, <laughs> you know, that's just how they... They're starting fights with all the other neighbors. Then. Yeah. Yeah. And so, honey. Right. Good morning, dear. honey. Good morning, dear. Yeah. <laughs> so good. But uh, yeah, I, I, that, that couple just really reminded me of them because they seem like just the nicest people individually. But then you put them together and it's just like cats and dogs. Uh, anyway, I mean, the, the divorce situations are uh, the first word I was going to say is fun. And that's probably not the word that they can be certainly interesting. Yeah. I hate that divorce is really even a thing. But whenever you get good at dealing with divorce situations and managing the expectations for people and creating trust so that people can move on with their lives, then it's a, it's, it's a really good um, motivating factor. And it's a motivating factor that's never going to go away. Mm-hmm. You know, pre-foreclosures go up and down, uh, but divorces pretty well remain the same. You know, I mean, it's half, 50%, half the houses in America go through a divorce. Yeah. Half the houses owned by a married couple go through a divorce because 50% of, di- of marriages in America go through divorce. Yeah. I mean, that is unbelievable. Those numbers. It is. And and it's a sad thing. You know, I, I wish divorces didn't happen, but the, I didn't write the rules. So. And 20, you know, the, the, the number of 25% of houses, you know, 20, no, 25,000 houses a month foreclose. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is to, and, and, th- and those are houses we didn't get to. They didn't know about us. Yeah. Think about how many were saved before them. Yeah. The, the investor community does a great service. For we people. do a great service. But what that tells me is, is that when people go, you think there are still any leads out there? 
<laughs> well, 25,000 a month didn't even know how to find us. And they're investors all over this country. Yeah. It's the same thing with divorce. I mean, so many of those wind up in, in foreclosure, foreclosing, you know, and it's because we don't know how to talk to people. Yeah. Yeah. Or listen. Yeah. Or listen. And so guys, there's more opportunity than anyone even realizes, Mm -hmm. you know, whenever I look at my ads account, one of the the most important metrics that I look at is click through rate. And so basically what that means is if a hundred people viewed the ad, how many actually made it to my landing page. And so if we had, you know, a hundred people look at the ad, usually three or four will make it to my page and we're buying the houses that we're buying from those three or four that actually make it there. And so I, I think about it in terms of like, I'm losing 96% of the deals out there. That's right. So either somebody else is getting those deals or no one is. Yeah. They give up and they lose it to foreclosure. I mean, that, that is just extremely sad. You know, even when Brad just said, you know, about the opportunities out there with the divorce situation, it's not an opportunity because we want that to be an opportunity. Yeah, correct. But if you're not there to help, Many of those people are going to, both of those uh, people that have been in that couple are going to walk away with foreclosures on the record. Correct. And that, that's what I was going to say is we're going to end up going into the first motivator that we talked about, which is pre-foreclosure. Mm-hmm. People just walk away from the house. I don't know what to do with it. I can't deal with the spouse. Nobody mm-hmm. can get them to be reasonable. And, you know, I'm just over it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, then the bank takes it back. It hurts values in the community. Sometimes vagrants end up in the house. Like mm-hmm. we've had happened before we I keep, guess we keep having in yeah keep Lithonia. Having. well there and then uh now in savannah tennessee we've got one that is uh uh we can't get that guy out and uh, i think orlando is the best story about that because they oh, they yeah. just grabbed their furniture and, and walked down the street they already knew exactly where they were going we were in the middle of rehabbing the house and our uh robert and cheryl go home that night not go home. They go to a hotel that night. They spend the night. They come back the next morning to start work again. And he calls and says, hey, there are people asleep inside the house. And uh, we don't know how they did it. They changed the locks. (laughs) Overnight, they changed the locks and moved in. Put furniture in there overnight. The next day, Robert has to go. Now, how much furniture? Not a lot, but two or three pieces of furniture. They they had their sleeping bags also. They had a dresser. They moved a dresser in there and had clothes in it. And so Robert's yelling through a window, you know, the next day, hey, they come out. Hey, man, how you doing? And Robert realized, I saw that guy walking down the street yesterday. Yeah, just scoping out houses. So he told him, look, here's what's going on. We don't want to call the police. The guy said, thank you so much. He left. Yeah. They work all day long, come back the next morning. He's gotten back in there. Did he change the locks again? No, he didn't change the locks this time. He, okay. crossed, he he jimmied a window okay, and got back in through the window. Yeah. Crafty. Crafty these mm. people are. So, yeah, anyway, I mean, that that's what's going to end up happening if divorce problems are not solved. So uh, if you get good at these types of situations, then you're going to have a, a head up against every other investor. If I'm in a divorce situation and I know it's us versus another investor, then I feel really confident that we're going to be able to navigate that in a better way. Yeah. So, you, you know, you have to remember that if we if we're dealing, if we're dealing with non-motivated sellers, then there are people out there who are somehow trying to trick them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right. But if you're dealing with a motivated seller who's contacted you, you're not tricking them into anything as painful as this is for them. They actually called you 
So they need your help. Yeah. So you have to be able to walk through their pain with them, not become their counselor, but, but you have to listen more than you're going to listen to other things. Some people just have to talk. But no matter how painful this is and the fact that they're having to move out of their house and one person usually in this didn't want to, kids probably are having to move out. They definitely don't want to. But you also could say no to them and walk away, and then they're both going to have a foreclosure on their record for the next seven years. Yeah, that's right. So you, you got to keep that. You got to keep that focus that you're not taking anything from anybody. You are helping them give you their problem. Yeah, that's right. That's that's right. And sometimes, uh, you know, and I guess we'll we'll talk about health and safety next week. Safety positions we've bought in our career probably close to a dozen houses that have been in abuse situations. You know, the women were in abuse situations. And so uh, sometimes the divorce is coupled with that. Mm -hmm. And so getting people out of those situations have been some of our better deals. Yeah. And recently had to, well, the one house that kids were living in. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was just awful. Just awful. Uh, If you want to see the, the worst house that we've, I mean, I'm guessing we've ever bought. Yeah, no doubt. 14 dumpsters of trash, including poop in the bathtub. And uh, check us out at the Investor Creator Community on Facebook. Uh, it's our free Facebook group. So we're all the time putting in free content and, and good advice in there. You know, so anyway, guys, that's it for us today. Appreciate y'all being with us. If you need anything, reach out, support at bradsmotherman.com. Uh, Tone, I guess we're going to buy some houses today. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I I, I can hear old James right now. Yeah. On that uh, triage call. And Kevin, they're getting after it. That's it. Kevin's checking comps. Clickety, click, click. That's it. That's it. All right, guys, y'all have a good week. We'll see you next Tuesday, Tuesday morning coffee. All right.